Chapter 14 of The Three Midshipmen This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ron Johnson. The Three Midshipmen by William Henry Giles Kingston. Chapter 14 In the Negro Prison jack rogers stood near the gun at which he had been placed in the slaver's fort he had plenty of time to consider how he should act but turn the matter over in his mind as much as he would he could not arrive at a satisfactory decision the alternatives left for his choice were to fire at his friends or to be shot himself the slave traders and their assistants and the slaver's crew who stood around him were fellows whose very ill-looking countenances showed that they would not scruple to execute with very scant warning any threat they had made. An older man than Jack might have felt very uncomfortable under such circumstances. A more evil-disposed band of ruffians could not often have been collected together. They were of all colors, from those who called themselves white to negroes of the most ebon hue. Not that the whites had much claim to the distinction— for they were so bronzed by sun and wind that they were almost as dark as the africans and certainly they were not the least villainous-looking of the gang two of them especially who had belonged to the crew of the schooner jack had assisted to capture seemed to have recognized him and paid him very particular and disagreeable attention one of them politely handed him a rammer and showed him how he was to load his gun while the other put a pistol under his nose and examining the perfect condition of the lock, explained with a mild smile that it was not at all likely to miss fire. Jack smelt at the pistol and flourished the rammer. Very good powder, I have no doubt, he remarked, looking as unconcerned as possible. But I cannot say that I admire its odor. If any of you have a pinch of snuff to offer me now, I should be obliged to you i want something to overcome the smell of the mud which is anything but pleasant let me assure you the spaniard though he did not understand what jack said comprehended his signs and thus appealed to could not resist pulling out his snuff-box and offering it to him though he fully intended in case of any sign of insubordination to blow out his brains at a moment's notice jack dipped his fingers into the snuff-box with all the coolness and as great an air as he could command he knew that his best chance of escape was to throw his captors off their guard bueno bueno he remarked scattering the snuff under his nose as he had seen spaniards do for in reality he had no wish to take any up his nostrils the slave traders could not help shrugging their shoulders and thinking that they had got hold of a very independent sort of young gentleman they talked together a good deal and from what they said jack made out that they were proposing to invite him to join them a very good joke he thought to himself the rascals i'll humor them in it however it will certainly afford me a better chance of escape during this time a number of blacks were pouring into the fort carrying all sorts of arms most of them matchlocks of very antique construction though some were muskets which had probably not long before left the workshops of birmingham jack hoping that he had thrown his captors a little off their guard shouldered his rammer and walked about to try and obtain a more perfect notion of the state of affairs looking through the stockades he saw that the fort commanded entirely the reach of the river 
at the extreme upper end of which it was situated the stream there made a sudden bend nearly doubling back on itself and as the fort was placed almost on this point the guns in it could fire point-blank right down the stream no boats had yet appeared but from the look of intense eagerness exhibited on the countenances of all the blacks he had no doubt that they were near at hand the whole fort was in a great state of bustle if not of confusion the black warriors were running about here and there chattering away to each other and examining not only their own arms but those of everybody else some of them jack saw squinting down the barrels of their companions muskets to try and ascertain the cause apparently of their not going off while the man at the other end would snap the lock without giving the slightest warning one of them after this came up to jack and by signs and a few words of english requested him politely to look into the muzzle of his musket and ascertain why it would not fire bang as he expressed it intimating that he had already put in several charges jack declined that mode of proceeding but begged to look at the other end jack burst into a fit of laughter the reason amigo is this entiendes ustedes he answered as soon as he could find breath to speak there's no flint to your lock and if there had been the touch-hole is well stopped up with rust so you had two very secure preventives against it going off i only hope that the rest of you have arms of a like character not much fear for my friends then he picked out the touch-hole however for the negro telling him that he must put a match into the pan when he wanted to fire it he resolved however to stand clear of the negro when he fired it for he had little doubt that when he did so the barrel would burst and do much more damage to the defenders of the fort than to the assailants jack was in hopes that the guns mounted in the fort would prove to be in a similar condition but on examining them he soon saw that they were ship's guns and were in very good order he had managed by his independent manner by this time to throw the slave dealers off their guard he waited for an opportunity when they were not watching him and then hurried back to the gun of which they had given him charge as he could not manage to withdraw the shot he knocked in a wedge which gave it an elevation calculated to carry it far over the heads of any of the attacking party he looked round when he had done this to ascertain whether he had been observed but the white man had turned round for some purpose and the blacks did not seem to comprehend what he had been about at all events i should not have to fire at my friends he thought to himself and now the sooner they come on the better for me scarcely had these words passed through his mind than he observed a great commotion among the motley garrison of the fort and looking through the embrasure at which his gun was placed he caught sight of several boats just rounding the point at the other end of the reach he could not make out who was the commander-in-chief of the present gang of villains with whom he was associated the two spaniards who had at first paid him so much polite attention were evidently not even officers a huge black man with a very ugly visage seemed to have considerable authority he was engaged in marshalling the negroes and posting them at the stockades ready to make use of their firearms the burly sovereign of the territory was nowhere to be seen he probably thought discretion the best part of valor and had retired again to his capital to await the results of the contest at last jack's eyes fell on a little wizened old spaniard in a straw hat nankeen trousers and a light blue coat 
who as soon as he made his appearance began to order about everybody in an authoritative and energetic manner and very quickly brought the confused rabble of defenders into order two or three other spaniards who from their appearance seemed to be officers came with him he had evidently just arrived from a distance summoned in a hurry probably to defend the fort he went round looking at the guns and jack was very much afraid that he would examine his just however as he was about to do so up went a rocket high in the sky let off probably as a signal for some purpose or other it had the effect of calling off the old man's attention from him the people in the advancing boats seemed not to have any notion that they were so near the fort for they pulled on without in any way quickening their speed right up towards the guns jack had remarked the mode in which the place was fortified so likely to lead strangers into a trap in front of the stockade was a deep broad ditch and then beyond it rose a low bank of soft slimy mud held together by reeds and aquatic plants and which sloped away again down to the river this bank was covered at high water but even then jack doubted whether a boat could be got across it the slave traders and blacks grinned as they thought of the trap into which the british seamen were about to fall jack watched the approach of the boats oh how he longed to warn his friends of the danger threatening them he would have shouted out to them but they could not have heard him and then he thought that he would climb up to the top of the stockade and warn them off but he knew that the moment he was seen by the blacks to make any signal a pistol bullet would be sent through his head jack was perfectly ready to run any risk for an adequate object but after a moment's reflection he felt perfectly sure that the boats would come on notwithstanding anything he might do and that the moment for sacrificing his life had not yet arrived as the boats drew near so did the flurry and excitement among the blacks increase the white men looked along their guns and prepared for action the little wizened old spaniard posted himself in a position whence he could observe all that was going forward jack saw that he was watching him and he also heard him tell one of the spaniards who had before paid him so much polite attention to keep an eye on his movements the old man probably had no great confidence in jack's honesty of intentions luckily no one found what jack had been about with the gun or it would have fared ill with him jack cast many an anxious glance through the embrasure to catch the movements of the boats there were a good many of them that was one comfort his friends were not so likely to be overpowered as he had first feared evidently another ship or perhaps more had joined the archer and accompanied her boats up the river he could not help also turning round to see what the old spaniard was doing there he stood on his perch surveying his motley crew the impersonification of an evil spirit so jack thought yet he looked quite calm and quiet with a smile it was not a pleasant one however playing on his countenance in a moment afterwards his whole manner changed he sprang off the ground and clapped his hands crying out loudly dira dira amigos fire fire my friends and send all those ingles to perdition he was under the belief that the boats had just come in a direct line with his guns and that every shot would tell on them the spaniards and blacks were not slow to obey the order off went the guns and the small arm men began peppering away till the whole fort was in a cloud of smoke jack delayed firing as long as he could that he might be more certain that his shot would fly over the heads of his friends he would have waited still longer had he not seen a spaniard near him cocking his pistol 
and giving a very significant glance towards him he had already begun to stoop down to fire when a bullet whistled by his head and he heard the sharp voice of the old spaniard take that young traitor if you don't choose to obey orders jack felt that he had had a narrow escape of his life looking along his gun and seeing that the arc he believed the shot would make would extend far beyond the boats he fired he could not see where his shot went for at that same moment the british though at first not a little surprised at the warm reception they had encountered had brought the guns in the bows of the boats to bear on the fort and had opened a hot fire in return with loud cheers they advanced but jack guessed that they had something in store which would astonish the blacks much more than the round shot nor was he mistaken up flew whizzing into the air a shower of rockets which came down quickly into the middle of the fort and made both spaniards and negroes scamper here and there at a great rate knocking each other over shrieking out oaths and prayers in a variety of dialects and trying to hide themselves from their terrific pursuers it was as if a number of wriggling serpents had been turned loose among a crowd of people the old spaniard stamped and swore with rage calling the people back to their guns abusing them and firing his pistols right and left at them to bring them to order jack ran a great risk of being shot in the melee either by friends or foes oh how he wished that the former knew the state of affairs inside the fort and would make a dash at that moment and get into it it was high tide and the water covered the mud banks the favorable moment was however lost and by the fierce energy of the little old spaniard the defenders of the fort were driven back to their guns jack pretended to be very busy loading his he had managed to get in a shot during the confusion and one of the blacks next rammed in the powder and put another shot in after it all right now blaze away my hearty he sang out he had piled up a good quantity of powder over the touch hole so there was an abundance of smoke and the negro whom he addressed fully believed that the gun had gone off now more powder and shot old boy cried jack ram away jack's gun was not likely to hurt his friends but had the old spaniard seen his tricks he would very likely have had another bullet fired at him fortunately the old fellow was too much engaged the whole fort was full of smoke and the defenders having got over their first alarm at the rockets were blazing away with all their might jack caught sight of the boats for an instant separating on their hands so as to avoid the direct fire from the fort and then he heard in another minute that true hearty british cheer which has so often struck terror into the hearts of england's enemies on either flank there came pouring into the fort a fresh flight of rockets and almost the next instant jack saw the boat's bows run stem on to the mud-bank which almost surrounded the fort in vain the seamen endeavoured to shove the boats over it they stuck fast jack shouted as loud as he could in hopes that his voice might be heard for he caught a glimpse of alec murray in one of the boats and paddy adair in another using every effort to get up to the stockade perhaps they heard him for he saw them leap overboard followed by their men with the intention clearly of wading up to the stockade ignorant of course of the deep ditch between them and it jack felt sure that they would be shot down by the blacks if they made the attempt he could restrain himself no longer but ran towards them shouting out back back you can't get in that way whether they heard him or not he could not tell for a heavy blow on the head was dealt him by the butt end of a pistol the owner of which one of his spanish friends would certainly have shot him had it been loaded 
and he fell to the ground, stunned and helpless. How long he thus lay he could not tell. It could not have been for any length of time, for the battle was still raging when he came to his senses. He instantly crawled to one of the embrasures and looked out. The English had suffered severely, and one boat lay on the mud disabled, and the dead bodies of several men strewed the mud bank, which the falling tide had left dry. Then he turned his head, for he heard loud cheers and shouts and cries and howls on one side of the fort. A fresh attack he suspected had just been made. It was resisted with all the desperation of despair by most of the Spaniards and many of the blacks. The British were forcing their way in. He caught sight of the heads of the seamen surmounting the stockade, and then he saw that it was Alec Murray leading them on. The spectacle gave him fresh life. He jumped on his legs and gave a loud, Huzzah! He had better have been silent. The old Spaniard, who had been flying about in every direction with the most wonderful activity encouraging the people, pointing the guns and showing himself the leading spirit of the gang, caught sight of him. It had now become evident that the fort would be taken. There was but one outlet by which the gang could escape. The ruffians began to give way. Numbers were wounded. Many lay dead on the ground. Several of the fugitives passed him. He was hoping that the moment of his deliverance was at hand when he felt his shoulder grasped by the little old Spaniard and found himself dragged along by a power he could not resist. He struggled, but struggled in vain. Small as the old man was, he was all sinew and muscle. His clutch was like that of a vice. There was a fierce rush. Black Spaniards and mulattoes were all mingled together, and good reason they had to run for at their heels came fast a body of english seamen slashing away with their cutlasses and firing their pistols hemming murray and adair were leading them and jack recognized some of the officers of his own ship the ranger he now knew how it was the expedition had been strengthened he sought to escape from his captor if you shout i'll shoot you said the old man in english grinning horribly he was in hopes his old schoolfellows would have recognized him back he was hurried still he felt sure that his friends would overtake him the retreating villains had got close to the barracan and not far from the last entrance to the fort the seamen pressed on there was still some space between the parties when the old man fired his pistol into a cask sunk into the ground a thick smoke came out of it back back the pirates pushed in an instant more a dense mass rose before them of earth and stone and timbers horribly mingled with the arms and legs and bodies of human beings a mine had been sprung jack was in an agony of fear for the fate of his friends he could see nothing of them he observed only that the mine had taken effect under one end of the barracoon the terrible shrieks and cries of its wretched inmates rang in his ears a number of them had been liberated and with loud yells were following in the rear of the slave-dealers, for whom they served as an effective shield against the shot of the seamen. The slaves had been told that the English would kill them, so they ran away as soon as they were let out of the barracoon as fast as the rest. The piratical crew, for such they really were, took their way up the hill towards the king's residence, followed closely by the slaves and all the rabble who had escaped out of the fort jack expected that his friends would have been pursued and should he escape the pistol of the old gentleman who had him by the arm he hoped before long to be rescued they had not however got far up the hill when he saw flames burst forth from the barracoon in which he knew judging from those following that a number of poor wretches had been left in chains and he truly guessed that his countrymen were stopping to try and rescue them 
the flames burst fiercely and blazed up high as they caught the dry inflammable timber of which the building was composed nothing could arrest their progress the gallant seamen he knew would be dashing in among them in spite of the hot smoke and doing their best to rescue the unfortunate wretches but he feared that few would be saved even where he was he could hear their piteous shrieks as the flames caught hold of them chained as they were and unable to escape as was too likely the pirates had set fire to the barracoon on purpose to delay the english this plan succeeded perfectly often the same sort of thing has been done at sea and when a slaver has been hard pressed blacks have been thrown overboard by the crew to induce the english cruiser to stop and pick them up and thus enable them to escape jack was dragged away up the hill through the gateway of the town and into the king's palace that worthy was seated where jack had first seen him and employed much in the same way smoking a pipe why have you brought him inquired his sable majesty of the little old spaniard whom jack heard addressed as don diogo he will serve as a hostage they have got some of our people was the answer but will they give us back any of the slaves asked the king not one whatever we may threaten replied the don grinding his teeth they would not have got many that is one comfort a considerable number came with us and most of those were unable to set loose have been burnt our enemies have not gained much by their victory in any way for we killed a good many of them and destroyed some of their boats we have had a desperate fight of it though it may be as well then not to kill the youngster though it might be a satisfaction to you said the king looking at the don not for the present said don diogo we will keep him for a short time and see how high his friends value him if they refuse to give enough in exchange for him as he can be of no use here we can then shoot him jack of course could not understand all this conversation but he made out enough to comprehend its tenor which was certainly not of a character to enliven him after a little while he found himself hauled out of the king's presence and thrust into a small hut by himself a black with a brace of pistols in his belt and a musket which looked as if it would go off was placed sentry over him he either would not or probably could not reply to any of the questions jack put to him whenever he thrust his head in at the door apparently to ascertain that his prisoner was all safe thus passed the day towards the evening jack began to be very hungry and very sick and to wonder whether he was to be starved to death he pointed to his mouth and made every sign he could think of to show that he was hungry but the sentry appeared to take no notice of him at last however another man opened the door and placed a bowl of farina before him it was not very dainty fare but he was too sharp set to be particular and so set to own it at once and gobbled away till he had finished it he was wondering whether he should have to sleep on the bare ground when the same man appeared with a bundle of indian coin and other leaves and threw them down in the corner making a sign that they were to serve him as his bed thank you old fellow i might go farther and fare worse his spirits rose somewhat for he judged rightly that his captors would not take so much trouble about him had they intended to murder him he did not forget how mercifully his life had been preserved during the day and he offered up his thanks on high before he threw himself on his bed of leaves to go to sleep he slept as soundly as a top all night and when he awoke he could scarcely remember what had occurred during the previous day before long his former attendant appeared and placed another bowl of farina before him 
if they were cannibals i might have some suspicion of their intentions he said to himself they don't propose to eat me but i know that i shall grow enormously fat if i go on ramming down such stuff as this however as he was very hungry he did swallow the whole of it hours passed away no one else came near him he fully expected to find the town attacked by the english and waited impatiently to hear the sounds of the commencement of the strife but except that occasionally he heard tom-toms beating at a distance and a few shots fired everything in the town was quiet it was some time in the afternoon when two armed blacks appeared and marched jack out of his prison up to the king's palace the king scarcely took any notice of him as he entered the reception room soon after don diogo appeared will they give up the slaves asked the king not a bit of it answered don diogo they say that if we kill that lad then they will kill six times as many people of ours that can't be helped observed the king the people were born to be killed certainly answered don diogo but there are some spaniards among them and i require their services but is it not possible that they may come and burn my town i have no wish for that to happen even for your sake my friend said the king shoot the midshipmen if they do answered don diogo turning a not very pleasant glance at jack at present however they do not seem disposed to attack us we have given them enough to attend to for the present we killed a good number and the boats have gone back with the wounded and prisoners then the young jackanapes of an office may be shut up in prison again said the king scarcely had the order been given when a spaniard rushed with fierce gestures into the room those english have killed some of our friends and we are resolved to have our revenge he exclaimed looking savagely at jack and handling his long knife don't kill him yet though said don diogo with his usual coolness it will be time enough when he is of no further use take him away now these were not exactly the words jack heard used but he made out that such was their tenor poor jack he was thrust rudely back into the dark dirty hut and the only food he received was a bowl of the ill-dressed farina of which he was getting heartily tired his spirits began to fall lower than they had ever before done he saw no hope of escape for he was certain that should the english threaten to attack the town that instant he would be put to death even should he escape the long knives of some of the spaniards who had evidently a hankering for his blood at last he fell asleep midshipmen have a knack of sleeping under the most adverse circumstances his powers in that way were very considerable it was daylight when he awoke but there were no sounds to indicate that the negro population was astir he could not help fancying that some attempt would be made by captain lascelles and captain grant to rescue him but the day passed on and no one except the man who brought him his insipid farina came near him if he had any mode in which to employ himself he could he thought have the better borne his imprisonment and the dreadful state of suspense in which he was placed all he could do was walk about or sit on his bed of leaves with his head resting on his knees now and then as the evening approached and his weariness increased he jumped up and thought that he would force his way out and make a run for it but then the feeling that he would most certainly be killed if he made the attempt 
besides recollecting not knowing where he should run to induced him to sit down again and chew the cud of impatience night came again he was more melancholy than ever he thought that he was deserted or that probably his friends fancied he was killed and would not trouble themselves further about him he had no inclination to sleep even after it grew dark he listened to the various noises in the village or rather city it should be called they amused him somewhat the odd tones of the negroes voices the shouts the laughter the cries of babies the barking curs the beating of tom-toms at last however even they ceased and he dozed away till he forgot where he was and everything that had happened how long he had slept he could not tell or rather had he been asked he would have asserted that he had not been asleep at all when he opened his eyes and saw by the light of the moon which shone through a hole in the roof the round face of a black boy looking down upon him with a friendly and compassionate expression end of chapter fourteen recording by ron johnson